Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Claire Bourne. Claire is a pelvic health physiotherapist and author with a passion to support women and men throughout their entire lives. One of the reasons I really wanted to have her on the show is because she's a believer in talking openly about topics in the area of pelvic health. She wants people to feel comfortable getting support, even for problems that might be embarrassing to talk about. Following extensive work in the field, she's started her own practice and wrote a book that will be referenced today called Strong Foundations, Why Pelvic Health Matters. She also started a company called All About Mum. Yes, she is from London, so I'm saying that correctly, Mum. And All About Mum provides postnatal education cards, webinars, ebooks, all kinds of information to support women on their health journey. You are certainly going to have some actionable takeaways from today's conversation. Let's get into it. Okay, Claire, welcome to the show. Oh, hey, thanks so much for having me. I want to start out with something that feels really basic, but when it comes to pelvic floor, I don't know that everyone is really clear what all we're even talking about. So could you just start by laying a foundation of what the pelvic floor even is? Absolutely. So it's essentially a group of muscles and the connective tissue and the ligaments that sit they literally are where they say they make up the floor of the pelvis. I think what's tr- often tricky is we don't even necessarily know what our pelvis is because we often call our pelvic bones our hips, whereas actually our hips attach to the pelvis bones. So the pelvis is a very, very stable structure, which is at the base of the spine. Um, so that kind of really bony bit that you can feel on your side that we're often like, oh, I've got big hips. Actually, that's our pelvis. So the pelvis is made up of different bones. But it's a very stable structure. And at the bottom, there's an outlet. So there's a hole. And that's where the pelvic floor muscles sit in anyone in the population, female or male. That is where the pelvic floor sits. So there's lots of little muscles. They've all got quite funny names, like some called bulbal spongiosis, coccygeus. They all have these really cute names. I think they sound cute. They sound a bit like mini superheroes or something, I think. But anyway, they're like lots of little little muscles that make up the pelvic floor with the connective tissue as well. Okay. So... Why do you think we should make it worthwhile to learn about the pelvic floor as women, especially if it's never occurred to us that we might not even have any issues going on there? It's a great point. I mean, essentially, these this muscle group are responsible for some really important day-to-day things, like keeping us continent of urine, feces, controlling wind. They contribute to our sexual pleasure. You know, they help stability with the, of the spine. They help support our organs. So they do these really vital jobs that we we really do just take for granted until sometimes we do get symptoms. Now, in a lot of the time in healthcare, in a similar way to taking care of our dental health, we don't brush our teeth when our teeth are falling out. We brush our teeth to prevent them becoming a problem. And so really, for me, when it comes to pelvic health, um, this is very research-based. It's not just my views. It, it's research-approved, is that being preventative is better 
And like any other exercise or any other part of our health, maybe we want to look after our heart. So we go walking or we do running or we want to look after our bone density. So we lift weights. You know, our pelvic health is very similar. We, we need to be proactive in taking care of it. And as I say, it's relevant for all of us, but I think particularly women, uh, you know, we have big things in our lives that are going to Im- impact our pelvic floor. You know, the, the maternal time is a really big time when we are pregnant or postpartum, and we might do that a couple of times. But we also have menopause, and we have that stage of life coming. And, and women generally live longer as well. So we've got a longer time that we're also in these bodies. So there's a lot of reasons why this is relevant. And these are also the topics that are quite hard to talk about when things go wrong. So if we can prevent problems, we're definitely onto a winner. Yeah. So staying on the preventative side of things for now, I hate to be a fear monger and I don't want this to come across the wrong way. But when I was researching, one statistic that I came across said the number one reason why aging women get put in a nursing home is because the family is overwhelmed because they're incontinent. And so I was like, goodness, if nothing else I want to not be a burden as long as I can be to my family and I want to age well. So in that proactive camp, what are some suggestions for women that we can start doing or things we might need to be aware of that we maybe are unknowingly like putting pressure on our pelvic floor too? So I would say there's three things that I really love women to work on to kind of look after their pelvic health. So it's individual pelvic floor exercises to start with, actually learning how to engage the pelvic floor muscles. There's different cues that work for different people, but essentially thinking about holding in wind or thinking about squeezing around the vagina, they can be really good. That's the sort of muscle we're trying to work. So kind of isolating the pelvic floor muscles and getting them to squeeze and relax is really important. But a big part, which is so, so important, again, we are terrible at talking about, is our bowels. So actually, if we are constipated and we are straining regularly, this can have a real weakening effect on those pelvic floor muscles, the connective tissues, and can be connected with things like pelvic organ prolapse, not exclusive to, but can be connected to. So, you know, those are two things we need to really think about how to take care of our bowels, prevent constipation, as well as exercising the muscles, but also just being active is good. Being active is good for our pelvic health as well. And as we know, that's also good for aging and bones and things like that. And it's interesting you bring up that thing about going into nursing homes incontinence is actually a huge cause of falls as well and then hip fractures are a real cause of morbidity in older women but they're also highly connected to mortality so actually when we track it back really taking care of our pelvic health is so vital for like longevity reducing our risk of falls because ultimately if you're yeah desperate for a wee and you're thinking you're going to wet yourself you're going to more rush to the bathroom and that's when more falls are likely to happen so there's so many nuances as to why this is so important, but it's very hard when you're in your 20s and you think, I'm actually fine, there's nothing going on here. But I do think it's really important that we start to understand the longevity and why these things are weaved into so many areas of our life. Yeah, so many ripple effect of what it can impact. Okay, so let's come back to, you know, you were saying isolating, squeezing. Is this doing a Kegel? Very similar. So Kegels, yes, are a way of engaging the pelvic floor muscles. I think generally, especially in the UK where I'm based, we've moved away from saying do Kegels to just let's do pelvic floor muscle exercises because Kegels are generally focused on the squeezing phase of the muscle. So kind of make sure you squeeze and we need to focus on squeezing. But we also know that pelvic floor dysfunction, which can be any form of the symptoms we've talked about, especially related to bowels as well, can also be related to the pelvic floor muscles not being able to relax fully. So a big conversation, part of the conversation is around muscle tone. So 
obviously we've all got tone so we don't we're not like floppy jelly on the floor so all muscles have this sort of resting tone now tone can increase and become basically the muscle can't fully relax or it can decrease and become quite weak and floppy and not doing as quite as much as it needs to now we now know that actually increased tone can cause a whole host of symptoms like pain with intercourse potentially also be linked to pelvic pain it might be more common in those with endometriosis and so what started almost happen is we were so focused on the squeeze that actually we'd never do that with any other muscle group we'd never be like just squeeze your bicep squeeze your bicep squeeze your bicep we'd always be like and move the muscle through range and so that's where we've moved with pelvic floor exercises it's, it's all about this movement through range so the flexibility of the muscle and the movement of the muscle is as important as us making sure we can squeeze it so Yes, similar to a Kegel, but I like to think about it in more dimensions. And I often talk about this thing called like, the pelvic floor puzzle, that actually it's about all these bits coming onto the table. So it's about strength, it's about endurance, about coordination, and it's about flexibility. And we need the muscles to be able to do all of those things. So pelvic floor dysfunction is not just because your pelvic floor muscles are not strong. There could be these other bits of the puzzle that are missing. And unfortunately, what I find is if we only focus it on from a Kegel's perspective, women are like, well, I've done those and it doesn't work is as if that's not the answer anymore. But actually, that's where rehabilitation is much more complex, if that makes sense. That actually makes a lot of sense. I want to reflect that back to you because it, it made a lot of sense to me. So you're kind of saying, I loved your bicep analogy because I am <laughs> thinking of any muscle if you're just focusing on strengthening contraction. But we also, for similar to the rest of our muscles, we need to be a little bit broader in our exercises and make sure that we're lengthening and relaxing as well? Yes, absolutely. Because basically with the muscles, you know, they need to be strong and react to when we sneeze or cough so we don't leak urine. But to do a poo, the pelvic floor needs to lengthen and let go to allow it, the muscles to relax. The bowel needs to unkink so the poo can come out. So this is where pelvic floor and also during intercourse, the muscles need to be relaxed enough to allow, but they need to also be able to contract during orgasm to give pleasure. And so this is where it's so much more multidirectional, whereas it can get too kind of like, oh, you just need a strong pelvic floor. And therefore, we think strong equals tight. But that's actually a very different thing. You need a strong, flexible muscle, not a strong, tight muscle. Interesting. OK, well, <laughs> now that we all have our, you know, bigger vocabulary for what we should be exploring, <laughs> because you said that I know a big part of why I wanted to have you on the show is because you're like, I don't want things to be taboo. It's important. To, yeah. And like we've already talked about, it impacts a lot of facets of a women's life in different ways at different ages. So I'm curious. I know that we're not only going to focus on strength, but there's information out there about yoni eggs or weighted Kegels. And is that something that you feel like women should explore? What can you tell us about this? Yeah, I think that can be really helpful adjuncts to what we do with our pelvic floor. And I think what we know from general guidelines, especially as I say in the UK where I'm based, what we want to start with is very much getting the muscles moving. Now, for some, using Kegel weights or pelvic floor weights can be really, really beneficial. Um, and we have research that supports that, these kind of more, I mean, there's so many different ones on the market, which is where it gets a bit tricky because obviously research doesn't look at every single option. But essentially there's different forms. Some are like little cones that have these little weights in them that can go up so you can then basically hold them inside. Yoni eggs, again, we've not done research into that, but it's a similar thought in the sense of if you hold something inside, that's going to encourage you to use those muscles and help you to tone them. Again, for me, it's always about making sure we're really dealing with the problem that that individual has. So actually, if there's someone who wants to hold all the time anyway, maybe related to previous experience or pain or stress, 
we don't necessarily want to put weights in and just be working on holding the whole time because actually the flexibility part might be relevant to those but we definitely see definitely for maybe the women who are wanting to go back to higher impact exercise or higher weight training there can be definitely help in using that and I'm very much a believe there is not one size fits all approach when it comes to pelvic health you know and for some women they're like you know what I just don't remember to do it but if I had these weights that I can put in I actually remember to do it well great then that's really relevant that's going to help you do your exercises and so yes they absolutely have a place but they're never something that I'd recommend to every single woman to get because I think again they can become at a cost and we don't necessarily need them but I think they can be a helpful adjunct for some of us. Hi it's your host Whitney Baker I'm popping in to remind you that season to shift my signature six-week mastermind for moms starts in just under two weeks we begin on January 31st So if you're feeling a bit dull or stuck in your journey, like stress and to-dos are standing in the way of you expressing the way you want to, of you showing up the way you want to, then this is the program for you. When women become moms, we spend so much time responding to the water hose of other people's needs that it's super easy to lose touch of our own. You're not alone in that. It's so common. Trust me, I see it all the time within my community. And I'm not just talking about physical needs, although yes, many of us are probably trying to stop eating rejected macaroni and cheese standing up because we just don't want to do that dish. But anyways, I've come to know that we also have a need for intellectual stimulation outside of the work we do inside or outside the home. We also crave social connection not with just anybody, but with like-minded women who are going to uplift us and inspire us, not just for ourselves, but for our family. Because when we step into a higher sense of self, we're less stressed because we feel better about ourselves. Therefore, we're more patient parents. We also have emotional and spiritual needs to feel both grounded and also like we have some space to just stop and think about what we want for our lives and not always be go, go, go. I know as moms, sometimes it can feel impossible to commit to anything besides just getting by, but I'm here to tell you, you are worthy of more and it doesn't have to be this major to do. If you're looking for a gentle framework that allows you to reclaim this connection with yourself over time, along with the company of like-minded women and a bit of uplifting accountability, my masterminds take place only a couple times a year and they are intentionally intimate groups because I think that's part of what makes them feel extra special. If you're ready to raise your hand and be a part of this community, you can find a link below in the podcast show notes or you're welcome to visit my website at myelectricideas.com backslash mastermind backslash for additional information. Okay, back to the show. That's very clear. So we talked about a little bit of why we should even know what's happening in our pelvic floor, how we can be proactive. I know incontinence has come up already multiple times in this conversation, but I'm aware that there's a lot of other symptoms, some of them might be embarrassing, that women don't talk about that might be red flags for something happening in the pelvic floor. So can you give us a heads up on what we can keep an eye out for? Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess urinary incontinence is a big one that we all hear about. I think things that we are very too much accepting are like wind incontinence. I think we're too accepting that that's just something that can happen. And it's like, oh, oops, sorry. But actually, if you're struggling to control wind, there it could be a sign that there's been something going on with your anal sphincter that's been missed maybe after childbirth. If you're, again, you're struggling with fecal incontinence, you know, none of these things are normal. Very hard to talk about, but they're not normal. If intercourse is painful, whether that's at the entrance or deeper in, 
again it's not a normal thing at any stage of life and again it can be too normal to be accepted oh when you hit menopause all your tissues are just going to be different yes they will be but there's things that we can do to help them and make it better for you a heaviness sensation so like you feel like something's in the vagina that shouldn't be there or something's dragging out of the vagina again that could be an indication that you've got a pelvic organ prolapse now that's not the end of the road for exercise it doesn't mean that you can't live a normal life but again we need to assess so you understand how best to support yourself how to recover but also how to prevent things getting worse so I think those are the key things I'd want people to look out for is just really understanding that because a lot of the time women don't even know about these symptoms and then you say things to them they're like oh yeah I have that but I didn't realize that was even a thing is that a thing (laughs) and we can get too like normalized into just accepting these symptoms about ourselves so I think those would be my main ones to look out for Yeah. And honestly, I think it's sad. Sometimes I think especially after childbirthing ages, some women just accept that their bodies feel I hate the word broken feels strong. But sometimes I think women just are like, well, I had a baby. I'm not ever going back to to normal. And I think they're silent in their experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's too easy. And I think partly that's driven by healthcare when women have tried to reach out and then they're told, oh, that's just part of motherhood or that's just normal or, you know, be grateful you've got a healthy child or, you know, whatever it may be. Oh, yes, you're menopausal. What do you expect? And actually, unfortunately, that then message percolates through and we have generations of women feeling like they can't do anything. Now, I think there's been a massive tidal shift in the last few years where women are like, no, if this was anyone else's problem, we wouldn't be agreeing to this. So, you know, I think it's really important that women know that even if someone says, no, you have to live with that. If you don't want to and you don't feel that's right, push another door and see, because I'm sure there's somebody else out there who could help. Yeah. Regardless of whether we're choosing to have children, we have children, we're in the the thick of baby bearing you know, I honor where everyone's at, but obviously we all know people who are having children. What is one part from your area of expertise about postpartum care that you wish was universal? Oh, yeah. I wish all women, and I know I'm biased in saying this, but could have a physical assessment with a physiotherapist who specialized in that postpartum. It's different across the world, isn't it? And in France, they have this amazing setup where they have like 10 sessions with a physio and it's just completely standardized and normalized. And that is what you do. It's part of your recovery and it's really respected. Where I'm based in the UK, you know, we sometimes have a check with our general practitioner, but it will be a very short and it covers a lot of topics. It's not an extensive physical check. However, we birth children, however, we either choose or however our journey goes, birth is it's full on for the body and I've met women who've birthed in every single possible way home in hospital elective cesarean emergency cesarean instrumental deliveries non-instrumental deliveries water births you know we all come out being like I'm feeling a bit not like me right now and I'm feeling like that was a lot on my body whatever that was and yes there's a scale 100% but I've never met a woman being like oh gosh yeah that was nothing the next day I felt completely like myself we don't it's a big thing on our body and therefore the way I think about birth is Obviously, there's birth injury, but really all birth has an impact on the body. And if we were to kind of apply that to any other part of healthcare, whether that be surgery on a knee or an ankle injury, generally, you know, if it doesn't even involve surgery, generally, we aren't just there like at six weeks being like, well, I just ignored it for six weeks. And then I went back to running again. Most of these things we do seek rehabilitation and support with. And that's what I think we need to normalize is that Again, it's that hard scaremongering thing, isn't it? You kind of, you don't want to be scaremongering, but actually your body's been through a lot. And actually 
the process of seeing a physio and having that support and that assessment and a, a tailored plan is amazing. So I wish that was there for everybody because I see in clinic the power that that has for women just to feel like they know their bodies and they feel confident. It's an amazing, I mean, I've been on the receiving end of that. I know how wonderful that feels. But even in the, like, even if that wasn't, you know, that'd be my gold standard. Even if that wasn't an option, I just wish that women even knew that it was a thing, that pelvic health was relevant, it was supported. And actually, it's not often that complicated. And there's these basic things that we could put into place to help ourselves. So tell us, because I think that is vulnerable. It's awkward. Like people have preconceived notions about what that would involve to even see a physio. So I can understand if it was just like, no, this is normal. Like everyone just, this is what we do because we're taking care of ourselves. But can you help just explain what an appointment with you would look like, even for someone that was just curious and wanted to be proactive? Yeah. And I love that. And I'm seeing that more and more, which is really exciting. So we I, we always start with a really long chat. You know, I always say, I really want to get to know you. I want to know things about you. I want you to ask me questions. I want us to get to know each other a bit better. And really, I want to know what you want to get out of this session. Because this session is for you. It's not on my agenda. I want to understand if you've got concerns or if you don't, what you want to get out of this session. And so we just talk through history. If you've had children, we talk about that. If you haven't, we talk about childhood, any bladder and bowel things then. And we really talk about your whole life story to understand what's brought you to today in the clinic room. Then assessment involves is tailored based on what you want to get out of it. So for some women, I mean, I would always start with breathing. So I'd always look at their breath. I'd always look at their rib cage, their movement, their diaphragm movement, because breath and pelvic floor have a huge connection. So it's really important that we start with the basics of how are you breathing and start there. I often will do an abdominal assessment. So just look at the tummy muscles again, if they've had any surgery, any scars, things like that. And then a pelvic floor check, it does involve an internal vaginal examination. Now, I think often what we think is we're going to the gynecologist and there's going to be a, a speculum and it's all going to be very unpleasant. But actually, as a physiotherapist, we're not, we're not needing to use speculums most of the time. We are just looking to look at the muscles. We want to internally feel the muscles in the same way that if you went for your neck, we'd have a feel of the muscles here and be like, okay, yeah, do this movement, do that movement, move your head like this. It's the same thing, but the only way we can access the pelvic floor is internally. And that's why we do an internal examination. We feel the movement, we check the vaginal walls, and we're seeing if there's anything there that might be giving your symptoms or just so you have an understanding of your body. And we might sometimes do an examination of the back passage if you're struggling with your bowels. So in the similar way that you might if you went to the GP, for example, if you've ever had hemorrhoids or struggled there, they might examine the back passage. We would do the same thing, but again, with a focus of understanding your muscles and their involvement in that process. So it's very extensive and it might involve bits of that or all of it. But we're always going to talk you through it, always going to explain why we're doing something. And, you know, it's not a painful general examination, any of it. It's just none of us love having internal examinations. But most of us are like, you know what, to understand what I need to do, let's just do it. And, you have, you know, this is all I do day in, day out. So for me, I really try and make it not embarrassing. I'm not worried about how things look or anything like that. I'm like, do I need to have a shave? I'm like, no, just come as you are, <laughs> you know, just come as you <laughs> It's always fine. We make it work. Well, that sounds very comforting to work with someone with your skill and grace. So I'm glad you're out there in the world. Can you talk a little bit more about that connection between breath and pelvic floor? Because I think that not everybody realizes that. Absolutely. It's so powerful. I mean, our breath is just so fundamental, isn't it? And I know that you love that. And I think that's what's so important is you know, I always say that if there's one gift that we can give to people, it's 
talking about breath and knowing how to breathe but the reason it's so relevant to our pelvic health is because in the body muscles generally work together in teams and that's the same in our abdomen and our core so you've got the diaphragm that sits above the pelvic floor so kind of like in the same way that you've got a bicep and a tricep that work together the diaphragm and the pelvic floor are like these kind of like opposing groupy muscles and movement of the diaphragm creates movement of the pelvic floor so as we inhale and our diaphragm comes down our rib cage expands the pelvic floor naturally lengthens so there's changes to the whole abdominal canister and then as you exhale and the diaphragm goes up the pelvic floor kind of has a recoil and comes up with it so we can actually use breathing to help us connect with our pelvic floor if we need more flexibility i'll always start with breath to try and help us let go of our pelvic floor and our belly as well and so many of us women are so good at just walking around holding in our belly all the time and often if we're holding in our belly we're probably holding in our pelvic floor and we're probably not breathing that well as well so there's some of these lifestyle habits and i always say to women look it's amazing if you can do pelvic floor exercises. You might do that for like 10 minutes a day, but the other 23 hours and 50 minutes are also incredibly relevant. And therefore we need to examine your body and how you live your life in those 23 hours and 50 minutes outside of the 10 minutes you're doing a pelvic floor exercise. Otherwise we're doing a disservice to you. So that's where I think breath work and, and sun kind of all related. And it's just so powerful when you see people being like, a lot of the time with stress, we breathe up into our upper chest, don't we? And so you know, it's so tendency to, to breathe up just at the top and you get that breath down. Oh, I feel wonderful. And it only really calms our nervous system. And I guess I can go on tangents about this, but related to stress as well, we know that there's studies that show the increase when women perceive threat, the pelvic floor activity increases. And therefore we know that the breath can help to regulate stress and therefore can help pelvic floor function. So there's kind of like direct ways and indirect ways that breath is foundational in our pelvic health. Fascinating. I love every, I obviously am, I am all for, you know, the deep breath. So one more reason your pelvic floor health. <laughs> well, we're coming up on time, but we were chatting before we jumped in the show and you, it seems like there's already a big demand for your services in the new year. I just wanted to give you a chance to share anything else on your heart in terms of what you wish women didn't feel was so taboo in this area. Any other information or messages that you just hope they can take with them? I think that just talking about these topics is like totally acceptable. I just don't think we were brought up as a generation to say things like vulva and feel comfortable about it. And say that, like, I'm going for a poo. And that was almost okay. Yeah, we're not going to say that in a public restaurant loudly. But even I think just creating space for yourself, if it is, say, in your family unit, like men, very good at respecting the time on the toilet. Children, generally quite good at respecting the time on the toilet. Women, not good at respecting their time on the toilet. And we're all like self aware and very conscious. So I think, you know, I'm not saying you have to start telling everybody, but I think it's just asking yourself, like, am I a priority? Do I prioritize this area? And actually how comfortable do I even understand my anatomy? Because I'm a real believer in generational change. And actually we're only going to change things for the next generation if we change things for ourselves. And actually if I don't feel confident and understand my body, I can't teach my daughter that. And actually then she can't teach her friends that. And then they can't teach their daughters that. And this is where the change comes, you know, like, so I really think just asking yourself some just gentle questions to be like, do I really know my vulva? Do I really know what it looks like? Do I even know what the pelvic floor is like? Do I know even really about this topic? Or could I learn a bit more, even if it's some basic stuff? That's a beautiful reflection. And I love that idea of, you know, we can only teach what we know. And all of us mm -hmm. that are our mothers always are wanting better for, for our daughters. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So it's okay if you feel like complete and it's always been already been shared, but I do always end my episode with a question from guests. And I, I guess in this area of health and specifically pelvic floor health and how it ties into our entire lives, is there one question you think women could be asking themselves more? Yeah, I think like it would just be, how well do I know my anatomy? Because I would say the answer is not that well. But in every sense, you know, it's so interesting. I've got one, I've got a boy and a girl. And it's so interesting just seeing them obviously learn about their bodies. Boys, it's all there in front of them. They can see it all. They can play with it all. Girls, like you literally can't see yourself. So I think what's it's so hard for us to grow up knowing our bodies the best because it's either internal or not visible. And so I think it's really important that we, you know, you can't detect problems with your body if you don't even know what's your baseline. And I get women coming to me panicking that everything's changed. But they're like, to be honest with you, Claire, I didn't actually know what it looked like before because like, I didn't actually know what it was like because I never looked. So I think have a little look. Just I think the one thing I'd love them to do is have a little look at their vulva, look at a little diagram of a vulva. We're probably still calling it a vagina, which is very different. They're different things. So, you know, even at the Golden Globes, I saw there was a lady in an amazing dress with vulvas all over and all over the press. It's like, wait, women in a dress with vaginas on it. It's like, that's not the vagina. So we're still at a point in society where we don't even call anatomy what it is. So if we can start doing that for ourselves, that's what's going to bring the change. Love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope women connect with you and learn more about this important topic. So where can we find you, Claire? Yeah, great. So, I mean, my social media handle is Claire Born Physio and all my website is Claire-Born.com. So kind of either through there, those kind of have a lot of my resources. Oh, yeah, my book came out last year, which is all around pelvic health. So that's, uh, you know, an option if people want to dive into it a bit more deeply. But yeah, like come and come and chat. I love to chat. I do Q&As regularly. I love questions to be thrown at me. It challenges me. It makes me realize the questions that we all need to be thinking about. So my DMs are always open. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Take care. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at, at @whitneywoman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.